Hello listeners, this is Gilbert Garcia on Truth, Trials, and God. And we are continuing our podcast this week, talking about how we struggle with God's grace in our culture. And I want to start off by sharing a little bit of my story that goes along the lines of my struggles with God's grace and how my culture and how I was raised affected that. I grew up with what has been called a scarcity mindset or mentality. This is the belief that there will never be enough, whether it's money or food, emotions or something else entirely. And as a result, my actions and thoughts stem from this place of lack. I grew up in what would socioeconomically be called uh, working class. And although we had a roof over our heads and food to eat and clothes to wear, so I never considered, I never considered or thought about that as a kid. Um, we lived normal lives to me and most in my neighborhood and on my side of town lived just like me, so I didn't see any differences or disadvantages, at least until I was on another side of town or in a place or at an event that many people would go to. Then I saw the differences and distinctions. Um, my parents were first generation United States citizens and not having a lot of money to work with in a time when there was racial segregation, tensions, uh, inequity, um, limitations, things like that, that my parents had to deal with, um, it played into how I was raised. I didn't have high self-esteem, but that was kind of how a lot of my peers felt growing up with me. I went to a high school that was 98% Hispanic, like me. So I didn't see differences in ethnicity really until I went away to college. When I got to college, I went through culture shock immediately. More than 80% of the population was white. The disparity between me and my peers was even greater when you looked at our education, um, money, and resources. I felt I was at a huge disadvantage and really limited, which I think caused me to think from a scarcity mindset even more. I lived from this place for a long time. I realized eventually that this kind of thinking was not what God wanted for my life. It was not based on his word or his will for me. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That was Jesus' word to us. There's this abundance mentality where I didn't know before, but I should have been living my life in this place. But I wasn't at the time. And it was understandable. Um, the abundance mentality is uh, living in a place where there's more than enough where God is providing all of my needs, where he is taking care of me to the point where I have more than enough to be a blessing to others. 
Now, this is actually a truth that is, uh, it is not necessarily dependent on your circumstances. I'll give you an example. Um, I have seen uh, homeless people with, you know, no, no shelter, no clothes, um, considerably limited. And what little food they have, they're sharing with their with their uh, with their friend or with someone who comes along. Um, they share what they have. So it's it's one of it's it's more of a mentality than it is depending on uh, your circumstances. This was a mentality that I couldn't even wrap my mind around years ago. And I wondered for a while why I was living in a cycle of failure and frustration. Why things would happen the way that they did. I know that I'm not the only one who struggled with this as well. And I just want to share with you that a lot of this is tied to our culture and upbringing. And that it is so important for us to understand why we are thinking the way we are. The Bible says, in all thy getting, get an understanding. Um, and a lot of the, the times, it's because we grow up in a culture of scarcity, where we never feel we have enough. Uh, we may grow up where we struggled uh, financially. We may have grown up barely making ends meet. Uh, we may have grown up in poverty, or not having enough. And maybe this changed as we grew. Um, so maybe we're doing well for ourselves as adults. Uh, we're able to be in a better position financially now or emotionally where our needs are being met. But somewhere in our minds, we still have this scarcity mentality where it's not enough or we are scared that at some point we will lose everything that we worked for or achieved or we can't be successful in our relationships because they are not giving us what we lack or feel we need. Or we feel like it may be going well right now, but the underlying feeling is that at some point the bottom is going to fall out and that it's going to go bad. We really live in this worry and anxiety and stress which keeps us from enjoying life. A good example of this scarcity mindset was when uh, Israel was delivered by Moses from the Egyptians. They were freed from slavery, but the mentality was still there when they were in transition to the promised land. They murmured and complained about the lack that they had, um, yet they never saw or appreciated the fact that God was providing for them all along with absolute miracles in the desert. If they needed water, God made it come out of a rock. If they needed food, God rained manna from heaven. Yet to them, all they could see was what they didn't have. That's the scarcity mentality that they had that many of us today have because of our past. And even though our circumstances may have changed, uh, we refuse to move into the mindset that God wants us to have, which is an abundance mentality. The abundance uh, mentality or mindset is not a new notion or trend. 
Many articles and self-improvement programs have pointed to this way of thinking that leads to success. But I do want to say that most of them do not incorporate the most important aspect of the abundance mindset. That it requires complete dependence on God as your provision. Sure, they will teach us to think bigger, uh, to see the plenty and the opportunities instead of the limitations. They will encourage us to think optimistically and to be appreciative. But what is suspiciously left out of the equation is that we should be utterly dependent on God. That is the part that is conveniently left out of the process so that you could glory in the improvement you made on yourself. That's why they call it self-improvement. Now, God wants us to be free from a scarcity mindset, uh, from worrying and from anxiety. God wants us in a place where we are believing in what he said he would do for us, that we would have faith and trust in his provision for us. But the true measure of success is not in what we are doing for ourselves, but in the recognizing all that God did for us, his grace. Uh, the whole faith is about our dependence on him, not ourselves. His word says, look at the birds of the air, for they, are neither, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more, of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? It also says, Therefore do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. God is telling us in his word, I am meeting your needs. I will watch over you. He says in Psalm 121, which is one of my favorite scriptures. He says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. He is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. He wants us to see him as our helper, our source. He says, I am your keeper. He goes on to promise us that he is watching over us and he has his eye on us. He's always watching out for us and taking care of us. He says in another, in another scripture, My God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And again, he says, For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. Again, showing us examples of how dependent on God we should be. Uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. And one of the ones that I, I love a lot is, uh, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. These are uh, scriptures that are beautiful, and many of us know them. We've memorized them and maybe even prayed them at night and teach them to our kids. But to believe them, to actually trust that he is our shepherd, that we shall not be in want, it's a whole different thing. I found myself, like many people, reading these scriptures, memorizing them, but not really trusting in them for myself. I didn't even recognize that that was happening until God had me look at my actions. I was doing things in my life that were actually showing fear, mistrust, distrust in God. It showed that I wasn't putting my faith in him. And it didn't line up with what I was reading in his word. See, when you hold up God's word to your life, it's like a mirror. And some of our actions and words reflect what's in his word. And some don't. It's hard for us sometimes to take self-inventory and to look at ourselves and see that we're lacking in something. And one of the things we tend to do um, is that we know the word, we know it intellectually, we know it in our mind, but we don't know it in our heart. It's not part of us. So like, if you find yourself, for example, knowing in your mind how God takes care of you and how he provides for you, and you, uh, you agree with all of that, and then a problem comes up, at work or something all of a sudden throws a wrench into your budget or a, your relationship or plans and all of a sudden you find yourself running scared and panicking and seeing where am I going to get the money to pay for this how am I going to get this and so instead of resting and trusting in God to work it out we panic and put things uh, in our hands and start striving to make ends meet uh, to fix things instead of believing in what he said he would do for us. If that's something that happens to you and God shows you, then you hold that up to what God has been saying. And it begins to show us where we are not. And it's not to make us feel bad, but it's important for us to see that He is what he's showing us is uh, actually a blessing because he's not letting us live our lives in the dark or in deception. He's revealing to us that his word should be lived out. Uh, it is our source of everything. He is our source. The word is a person. His name is Jesus. Now, if, if God's our source and it's him that is to lead us into this abundance mentality, then why do we as a society call it self-improvement? I'm going to attempt to tell you why. And I, I believe that it's because it's another part of our culture as Americans that we struggle with. We struggle with independence. Most of us, when we think of independence, we tend to think of freedom, right? Uh, the Declaration of Independence, our fight for freedom from tyranny to become our own country. Um, while fighting for independence from tyranny is virtuous and true, uh, many in our country misconstrue this concept 
and take on this anti-submissive spirit where we become independent from everything, including God, so separated from each other in our views and disconnected that we become our own God. Research has shown that recently um, America has the most individualistic culture in the world. This means that it is a society where the priority or emphasis is on the individual over the entire group. Cultures like these are oriented around self instead of group mentality. We put more emphasis on personal achievements and see each other as only loosely connected, valuing our personal goals over group interests. Our individualistic culture also makes it very challenging for us to understand someone else's point of view. Now, if this description doesn't sound too bad to us, um, that's because it's very ingrained in our conscience as Americans that this is the norm. But I can tell you that first, it is far from normal as cultures go. Most cultures are collectivist, not individualistic. Um, their emphasis is on group interests over the individual. And second, as far as Christianity goes, it is opposite from what God says we should be. According to his word, we are to be completely dependent on him, not independent. Now, remember the earlier scriptures. He is our source. We are completely dependent on him. We also depend on each other as a spiritual family. There's interdependence there. Um, scriptures like, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. Another scripture, the whole body joined together, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Um, consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The independent spirit in our culture keeps us from depending on God as our source, but also goes against what Christ has done for us. Like Romans tells us that Jesus fulfilled the requirements of the law for us so that we might be made righteous through faith. Um, so through faith alone, we are justified and made right with God because of what Jesus did and not us. We couldn't save ourselves. Jesus did. He did what we couldn't do. And yet, for all of our profession and confession that we believe that, uh, that that's that when Jesus said it is finished, that we we say and we we say we believe that, our actions still say another thing, because here we are trying to earn our way into heaven. We try to stay saved. We're trying to help God out with other people because. Deep down, we really don't trust that he can change a person. Um, we are still trying to control our circumstances. 
thinking that our way is better than his way. And that if God had all the information, he would understand why we are doing things the way we are. Paul says in Romans that he did not understand his own actions. The things that he wanted to do, he would end up not doing. And the things that he didn't want to do, he ended up doing. He concluded that in his flesh, he could not stay out of trouble or keep from breaking this law of God. But he ended up thanking God that through Jesus, he was delivered from this. So understand that resting in the finished work of Christ, what he did for us, what he accomplished as us in his life, death, and resurrection is the good news. If we understand that we have been living our life, our Christian life, through the lens of our culture and not his word, we can make a decision to change our minds toward the truth. And we all know that it's this truth that will make us free. I hope that God blessed you with this word and that you continue to listen in to truth, trials, and God. My prayer is that God use me to be a blessing to you. Have a great week and check in with us next week for another topic on this podcast of truth, trials, and God. God bless you.